0: um, and there was a couple of Toyota Hiluxes, I think they were, and they were packed up with everything, and then, and they drove, they literally never done it before, they drove to the North Pole, and uh, an extraordinary feat, um, and you would say of sort of endeavour, but it wasn't really an extraordinary feat of endeavour, because they just got in the car and they drove, and there was a few difficult patches, but really, they just drove, and... And uh, But what it was, was it was an extraordinary display of adventure of saying, what if we tried this? What if we gave this a go? But perhaps one of the, my favorite parts of that adventure, this sort of, this defining moment, James, Jeremy Clarkson is driving, and James May reaches into the back, he's the guy, he's got a little bit of class. The others are a bit thick, but James May has, <laughs> has class, he's intelligent, and He's just got a little bit of style around him. And so he reaches into the back to get the refreshments. And out he pulls is a tub of foie gras and a bottle of red wine. It's the essentials for an adventure. It's got, it's it's basically goose liver, if you want to know what foie gras is. But it is actually a, uh, I don't, I can't remember whether I've eaten it or not. And And goose liver, hmm. So, but, if I'm in the right company, I would eat it and I would say it was amazing. And uh, if I needed to impress them, that is. And, and uh, here they are, and it was like, the thing about adventures is that this sort of, saying, right, we're going we're gonna to go on this great adventure. And people pack what is minimal, what, the, the basics, we must have the basics. And, and so when we used to go on holiday, we would, we would pack up and we would, it would be tins of baked beans and, and packets of smash potato. Do you remember the smash potato? You know, people don't eat anymore because it's disgusting. And, 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 it was, and they advertised it as, as being the, uh, these TV adverts that went off in the 70s and 80s was, was this sort of robot that was laughing at humans for eating mashed potato because the modern world eats smash and uh, I, we actually got some. My brother uh, is here, Mike and Claire here. That he bought me um, some things that we used to eat when we were children. one of them was a pack of Smash. And he got. It. I've still got it in the cupboard. I'm giving myself the courage. So one day I'm going to eat it for the sheer sake of that punishment that we went through as children. And uh, but it's, it was one of those things. And so when you go on these kind of holidays is that these kind of adventures, you, you take the basic things, the, the, the critically important, but but James may pack stuff that was just pure luxury. <laughs> and and I, I, I want to talk about the things that are important to pack for an adventure that God is taking you on. In other words, the things which you place upon your life and which you consider critically important to have in your life, the backpack of life that you've packed on the back, the things that you have on resource available to you in any given situation or circumstance. It's turn with me, will you, to the book of 1 Kings and chapter 10. And this is the story of the Queen of Sheba. Um, Queen Sheba, she obviously uh, has come to see Solomon and she'd, um, she doesn't understand um, the less is more motto. Um, so, so she comes and says, now when the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels that bore spices with very much gold, precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. Now, retinue basically means strength, might, efficiency, wealth, army, and force. In other words, she came with this extraordinary display and this wonder of everything that you can imagine you could possibly need. This was not... Someone who traveled light. This was the type, if she, Queen of Sheba was going through on an aeroplane, she wouldn't go on EasyJet because they just wouldn't take the luggage. <laughs> And she would have all those additional luggage, all those extra bags, and there would be people carrying the bags, and she would have to pay, because it'd be too heavy, and you've got to pay that extra charge, because the the limit was 30 kg, but hers are all 40, and and, uh, she would be one of those people that just packing all those extra luxuries, all those things that she has decided is necessary for the journey and also for the end result, for for the arrival of where we are going. And you know, we've got to understand that that when God places a point of adventure on your heart, you have to understand what it is you carry in your life, in your heart, what you carry with you, because that which you carry with you defines your experience along the way. It's what you have it's the meals that you eat. If you were to transfer this, um, this imagery back into a camping journey, if you, if you pack for um, basic things, you've got basic food, you're just eating a basic experience, well, supposing instead of packing basic food, you have a lot of bacon and steak, and, and it, suddenly the food experience changes somewhat. And the journey, the excitement is like, well, the sleeping accommodation wasn't amazing, but we ate steak. (laughs) Suddenly it's kind of like saying and supposing you you, instead of taking a a foam mattress, you you take an airbed. Well suddenly you you've raised the game. uh, An airbed doesn't take up probably any more room than one of those foam ones does. But you've you've lifted the game somewhat and you've changed the experience of how the adventure is experience and and you know what happens in a Christian life is that we 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 tend to leave behind the luxuries we tend to leave behind the great things that God has got for us and, and we because we just knuckle down and we just get on and we forget that God has something far more significant for our lives. It, uh, Sir Ralph Finnis said, "He's a great adventurer. He says there's no such thing as bad weather only." inappropriate clothing. (laughs) And, you know, Scott, um, who went to the South Pole, the famous... It's like a lot of people celebrate, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, yeah, he he didn't make it. It was like, you know, he got there, but he was too late. The thing with Scott was he failed not because he was a bad adventurer or or that he was a dreadful leader. He failed because he he took the wrong animals, (laughs) He packed the wrong stuff. It was the stuff he took with him that that disabled him from getting to the South Pole in time and getting him home again. And so we have to understand, what is it that we pack up in our heart? What do we load upon our life? What are the things? Because what happens is that we can often load upon ourselves the basics of life, of human behavior, which is minimal thinking, which is worldly thinking, which is a secular process of of offense and smallness and, 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 and limitation and all of those things we pack with us along with the things of God, like, oh, I thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. But there comes a but on the end. And there's all kinds of buts that we add to our life that limit what we have in our thinking. So our world contracts. And when your world contracts, your ability to do do the things that God has called for you contract as well you begin to get a, into a smaller world. Uh, we, I was just chatting. My brother and I were just chatting. At the end of service, we were talking about a mum and dad and how they, they, um, the south of England is the great home of retirement. And, and people come, I think, from all over the world to retire there. They come be- and because they all buy their little Honda Jazzes and they drive around. And, and, and they drive at 25 miles an hour in a 60 zone and, uh, and 10 miles an hour in a 30 zone. And uh, they're they just sort of there to test any young people that have actually left. There aren't a lot left, of course. And uh, because even the young ones have all gone old and grey as well. And so what happened, but we were just, we were laughing, because it was, it's always been like that down there, a retirement central. But our parents retired to, the, there's a town called Bexhill, and it is the, the, the greatest concentration of old people in Europe. Wow. Bexhill-on-Sea. And it used to be, it's one of, the, one of the Britain's first racing tracks, it was kind of like, it, it, in, um, in the 1920s, it was Art Deco, it was a very trendy place. But the same people are still living there now, that's the problem. And, uh, and this sort of, But our parents retired to Bexhill-on-Sea, it was extraordinary. It was like, because they'd lived in this very vibrant centre of life, and they just went, to, and from the moment they retired, their life just started slowing right down the world got smaller. Here's the thing about getting older, this is something that Cheryl and I have noticed uh, in our own life, and it's, here's the thing, the very th- opposite thing happened to Cheryl's parents. Cheryl's parents, um, as they st- were getting older, they it. let's buy a camper van. So they expanded their world, not contracted it. And now that Cheryl's dad, he's 83, he's still driving around, but, you know, he's... Slowly, and and uh, but he's still driving a camper van, uh, and he was talking about driving it up to Scotland, which does, you know, give <laughs> it hairy scary. It's like, oh, really? Uh, see you in paradise, and uh, <laughs> and but their world expanded, and their youthfulness and their energy is, uh, and they still cycle. I mean. They, you know, it's sort of like... But they cycle, they go, they go for like, like for 30 miles. I mean, it's 30 miles, he's 83. <laughs> he's having piano lessons at the moment. He's like, he used to play the piano as a child, and then his mother died, and he got, he just stopped doing it as a child, and he's decided, aged 83, he's going to start playing again. See, there's a person who just... he. Even though it's like he just wants to just live a bit, experience something, to get out there, to remove the restriction, to live in a bigger world. And we've got to understand that what you carry on the inside, what you pack, determines not only your joy of experience, but whether you get there or not. The, the, the attitudes of your heart, the things that you want. But here's the thing. If I was to ask a Christian, if I was to narrow this down to a spiritual narrative about what's the most important thing that you can take with you, people would say, oh, I believe it's worship. And then some people would say, oh, I believe it's the Word of God. Most important thing has got to be the Word of God. I remember watching um, God TV and they were interviewing this, this guy. who was a pastor of a church down on the West Coast, just above air. And he the Word of God. You need the word. It's all about the word. And he was going, and, and but what if I was to say to you that it isn't? Don't burn me. And Jesse, what if I was to say to you that it actually it isn't? It isn't the word of God. And I'll tell you why. Here, we go. hold on. I know you're I can see you're struggling with this statement right now. Here's the thing, right? Twenty years being in ministry. And in 20 years, right, I've met a lot of Christians who get embittered, offended, upset, struggle, just really struggle. And these Christians are loaded with the Word. But it didn't change anything. So we know that the Word isn't the problem. Because the Word of God is the, the pure revelation of the Word of God. It is His life. It is the life. It's the very promises of God that come in and bring transformation. So it's not the problem with the Word. So, so the problem is, if you see, when you give your heart to Christ and you come under the Word, the Word will come into your life and it is a source of life for you. So it's essential you pack the Word. But there is something else that you need to pack with you, Go with me, will you, to Hebrews chapter 5. I want to show you here. This is what the writer to the he- of the Hebrews is saying. To the- he's saying the same thing. It says, uh, we'll read from verse 8, just so we get where this is coming from. Though he was a son, this is of Christ, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all ob- who obey him called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Turn to someone and say, have you become dull of hearing? (laughs) (laughs) I beg your pardon? (laughs) For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who, who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of full age, that is, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Here's the deal, right? It isn't the word that you need, it is the skill of righteousness. It's a skill of using the word that you need as a resource in your life to make a difference. I've, many people receive the word, receive the word, receive the word, they'll debate over the word, they'll do Bible studies of the word, and it doesn't make a bean of difference to their own life. And I'm thinking to myself, I, when I read the word, I want the word to be a reality in me. If the Word is the promise of who I am, it is the mirror upon which I look as a born-again believer, then I need as one to read that Word and change the behavior of my life. And to do that, I need a skill set that enables me to achieve it. It's called, here we come back, it is called the Word of Righteousness. Because they are unskilled in the Word of righteousness. Here's the thing. Saying that, I, oh, well, we, you know, if we just take the word of God then we're going to change the world. It's a little bit like an adventure of someone who's going to go on an adventure and say, I'm going to drive from Cairo to Cape Town. Now, I use that example because that is an adventure that you can do. You can, uh, You can... Go into, if you go to get a Land Rover magazine, you'll find Land Rover p- uh, specialists who will hire you for about twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 pounds. You, you can hire a Land Rover. You could also buy one, but you can hire this Land Rover that's kitted out uh, for, and you can drive from Cairo to Cape Town. Now, I would suspect that there aren't so many people doing that adventure these days as there used to be, because there are a few countries in the middle where you might lose your wills. And, uh, Uh, so, but you can do that adventure, but here's the thing, saying I'm going to go and I'm going to do this adventure, what I need is a fully kitted Land Rover Defender with all of the kit for touring through Africa, and that will get me there. Now, the vehicle has all of the kit to get you there, but that doesn't guarantee you will get there. Because if you don't have the skill set and the adventure of knowing what to do with the jolly thing, how will you know what to do when you're facing uh, a flooded river? How will you know what to do when you're facing sand? How will you know how to drive? Because you haven't got the skill. You've got the vehicle, but not the skill. You've got the word, but not the ability to exercise it. And you know, and the challenge of what we pack into our life is that we don't just pack the physical things, we pack skill sets into our life and the ability to actually achieve something, the ability, and there is a skill set that we need to realize that God wants us to manifest in our life. And this is the skill of righteousness. A skill of righteousness is to make things right. Right? To make The skill of righteousness, the word of righteousness, is to make things right. That's the word. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to bring the word in a real situation, in real time now. It's the word in real time. It was written many thousands of years ago, but it's now in real time. This is the word happening. And it takes skill. This is the skill that you need. It's the skill to bring grace in a time of tension. To just, in a time of tension, do it. Everyone's tense, you bring grace. That's the word in action. It's the skill to bring wisdom in a time of confusion. Oh, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. What does God say? What is the wise thing to say? It is the skill to bring generosity in a time of lack. And when there's lack, those who are skilled in the word know how to bring generously the things that are needed so that people can get out of that situation. That's a a skill of righteousness, the word of righteousness. It is a skill to bring forgiveness in times of betrayal. You know, God has really spoken to my heart about how we must live in a place of forgiveness and not in a place where we empower reproach. Because our heart, your your heart, you can experience reproach, but in experiencing it, betrayal, that that sense in experiencing it, if your heart responds in the same manner, then reproach comes back at you. And you live in reproach instead instead of living in the skilled word of righteousness. The skill of exercising righteousness. Here's another word. It is the ability, it's the skill set to bring strength in time of weakness. And here's the thing, that we have a lazy faith where we read the Word and we expect the Word to do the Word and we never partake of it. It's just laziness. But the Word of God is alive. It is active. It is a force within our lives. It is the very breath of God, and it brings life. It is our responsibility to learn us the skill of the word that we may exercise its ministry to those around us. And here is the skill set of Christians, and Paul is saying, I wish that you were teachers, but you're still babes. In other words, you've got the word, you just haven't done anything with it. And here's the thing that we need to pack. We need to pack these the the skill sets. But here's what happens. There is something else we need to pack in our lives. It's not just the righteousness. It's not just the skill set. These are the essentials to get you to an adventure. But there's something else you need. This is what the Queen of Sheba understood. It's called luxury. One of the most important words for your life that will help you enjoy the moment is something called Luxury. Something I've spent a lot of time thinking praying, and I might even do an entire message upon this principle, but this is just a point for you. Here's the thing. Have you ever asked yourself why is it that the world criticizes poor people who don't have much for buying 65 inch flat screen TVs when they haven't paid electricity bill? Well, it's a common complaint, isn't it? Look at those people in those council houses. They've got all the nice TVs. We used to say, they've got TVs and videos. <laughs> and they've got all that fancy stuff. Why, why is it that people who don't have much go out and buy something nice? i tell you why. Because you can't exist without luxury. Well, you can exist, but you can't live. God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, he called us to live in luxury. What's the luxury? Well, it's a luxury called rest. Because you've got six days of labor and on the seventh you shall rest. The seventh day is a day of luxury. It's a day of rest. It's a day of spending with God. It's a day off from the labors of this world into the luxury of God's kingdom. We are created to live in a world of comfort why is it poor people buy nice things because they live in a highly pressurized world and they just want something that gives them comfort they need it as much as anyone people who have 65 inch tvs because they can afford it are criticizing people who can't afford it who go out and buy them oh they shouldn't be having that they should they should just pay the bills well you know what maybe they should just pay the bills but maybe they just need a break Maybe they just need some comfort because the human condition needs comfort. It needs luxury. It needs that something that's a little bit nice. And getting dressed, I've got this. I've put on my my watch. This is my fossil watch, and as a fossil watch, it's my it's my everyday watch. And I'm wearing them. I'm wearing it because I'm wearing my everyday jeans. <laughs> But this morning I was wearing my luxury watch that we got as a gift and, and it's a little bit nicer. I, I don't know how luxury it is. I don't want to find out in case I'm disappointed. But I thought about looking online, you know, and then oh, it came in such a nice wrapper and everything. you know. But I put on my luxury watch because my luxury watch feels like You get yourself a nice parish, just, it's just a little bit nice. You give yourself that occasional holiday, that little bit extra. Just occasion, not all the time, the little bit extra. It's a luxury and it does something to your soul. It settles you and it gives you that space between all of the other issues that are going on and enables you to go on. Because you're living in the fullness of what is life. Because as you look around the world, do you not see great luxury? Do you not see great wealth? Do you not see great blessings? And here's the thing. God created this world that we may experience the fullness of it. We've got to understand, experience the fullness of it. So that doesn't mean living wastefully or foolishly, what it means is knowing that there is a critical point when you must pack in your life luxury. In other words, you're driving to the North Pole, but you've, you've packed the foie gras and the red wine. You've given yourself something which is not on the essential list of survival, but it is on the essential list of being able to just enjoy the moment. Now, how do you translate that into a spiritual point? How do you pack luxury into your life? I would say one-seventh of your life... This is not a doctrine, by the way. I could, I could start this. We could start this. We could take this to the university. One-seventh of your life should be given to luxury. <laughs> I could create a whole new theater. I could write a book i'm 'm going to go on tv i 'm going to get a network and a a, everyone's going to love this but particularly it 's going to go well on the other side of the Atlantic and it 's going to go. <laughs> And when, but I I reckon, like, God wants one-seventh of your life should be a place of rest. It should be a place of blessing and a break from the rest of the other things. Yeah. You need to know how to switch off and have a place. There should be a point of luxury in your life. Just on a practical level. You might not have enough money to buy, buy all the food you have, but take three quid, go to the... Tesco's flower section and you'll find a decent pack of roses buy them and put them on the dining table when you get home why? because that little bit of luxury just adds something to life that lifts your spirit it won't feed you (laughs) you'll still be hungry (laughs) but it will add a colour into your life that is necessary, why? because God created roses for your enjoyment to feed your soul so what does the Spirit say about these things? It says, it says here in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, <laughs> it says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, that could be interpreted as eating and drinking is, is a bad thing. What it's saying is the world's expression of luxury is to have fun together, to eat and drink. Now, when I'm saying drinking, we're, we're, we're not assuming that we're all getting, you're going to get out of your face. But the world would understand that getting out of your face is part of the process. But we still, when we're having fun together on a normal, we still eat and drink. In fact, um, my brother and his wife, uh, Mike and Claire, they're here. Uh, it's Claire's. It was Claire's birthday. Happy birthday, Claire! It was her birthday yesterday, and and uh, so we went for a meal as a family uh, with Hannah. And Hannah's parents are here, and uh, and uh, so we went for a meal as a birthday. And The ten of us went for a meal and uh, to a Turkish restaurant, and we ate and we drank a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't. And what were we, why did we do that? Well, because it was a little bit of luxury. It was, it was the ne- necessary luxury to, to define the moment, to celebrate that moment. It was, uh, all right, so if we'd gone to McDonald's, it wouldn't have been as special, but we were, still would have been full, right? We might have felt a bit sicker afterwards, but you know. But it was luxury. It was a luxury moment. And it was necessary... It was eating and drinking. See, that's the, the world, and the world still, thousands a year later, they're still eating and drinking to kind of define a moment of luxury. Just that little bit of like extra, that's something. We're just going to have a meal and a glass of wine. We're just going to have that. That's how they do it. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not that. In other words, you can do that, but actually I've got something far more luxurious for you. And this is the luxury that I'm placing upon your life. It says, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of God is, has packed for us an addition of his righteousness. And righteousness is an critical thing because it's all things made right. And it's the things that aren't right that get you down. Put the tension in your life. So God is saying, I'm giving you righteousness. I'm making things right in your life. And I'm giving you peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And peace and joy are two critical elements of our existence that we don't have outside of God that we live with peace. If you listen to people who've gone through great turmoil and gone through worldly, uh, the epic sort of struggles of the world, or maybe they've lived in terror zones, etc., but they're Christians, when you listen to the story of God's peace that lays upon your heart and you look at them and think, the world's in turmoil, but they're living in this bubble of luxury. How did they do that? Well, they packed luxury away. It's called peace in the Holy Ghost. How does people live with joy? It's called joy in the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, and verse 18, it says, it says this, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. See, don't be filled with wine. That's the luxury of the world. That's the world's way of coping, escaping. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has been given, the Bible says, Jesus, it says in John uh, chapter 17, it says that Jesus prays that the Holy Spirit will come as our comforter. Well, comfort is a luxury issue, not a necessity issue. It's comfort. I buy a bed that is comfortable. I, I sit on a sofa that is comfortable. I put on a shirt or a jumper that is comfortable. If it's uncomfortable, I don't want to wear it. I don't ha- it's not necessary to wear a comfortable, but life is pretty miserable if it isn't. So the Bible says that the Holy Spirit has given, been given to you to bring comfort. Well, that's luxury. That's your Sabbath. That's your seventh day moment. The Holy Spirit is bringing the luxury of His joy His peace, His presence is poured out on your life. So here's what we need to pack. We need to pack in our life the luxury of the fullness of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can pack away all kinds of things. We're going to go on. We've got to fight through. We need strength and tenacity and righteousness. And it's just going to be miserable. Going to be a horrible moment from beginning to end, well, we're gonna do it. <laughs> you meet a lot of people like that, you think to yourself, and you know what? You don't get a gold sticker at the end, it's not like you get this special reward for doing it with a miserable face. Why, why take that route when God has already said, Hey, guys. There's a lot of people going on the bus, but I've built for you a luxury vehicle in which you can drive. Both are going there, but one will get you there better than the other one. Let's get in the Range Rover rather than the Land Rover Defender. (laughs) One will shake your bones, and the other one will glide you through. (laughs) The Holy Spirit, he is your luxury moment. He is your seventh day. He brings the life of Christ into you in every moment. He gives you peace when there's turmoil all around. He gives you joy. And an ability to lift your heart and smile, to laugh, to experience happiness to know the fullness and satisfaction of life around you joy is the fullness of all that we need to be able to look at life and say this is good this is a great time oh yeah stuff goes on but I'm loving it I'm loving this moment if you stop loving this moment You've lost the luxury that you were meant to have packed away with you on the way. And you've only got left is a camping stove and one of those gas lighters and a crappy little saucepan. I oh, can't use that word, can I? A, a rubbish saucepan. Sorry, edit that. A, Jesus, heal me. Forgive me. A rubbish little saucepan. You're all thinking the other word now, aren't you? (laughs) We need the Holy Ghost. (laughs) I need the Holy Ghost right now. (laughs) I'm losing it. (laughs) We need the Holy Spirit in our life. We need to be filled... We need his presence. We need to break off from our life. The existence of just living. Just getting by. But not the fullness. Jesus, when he promises life, he promised an abundance of life. Well, that's called luxury. It's more than enough. That's luxury. Not just enough. He didn't promise just enough. He promised more than enough. Pressed down. Shaken together. You can get more in. Running over. He promised luxury. The luxury of his grace. His presence. His word. His hope. An overflow. Of the life of God. Carried with you. The radiance. Of his presence. Shining out of you. There is a moment for you right here. Why don't we just open up our arms and ask the Holy Spirit as you're sitting in your seats. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times then don't forget to visit our website www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.